Thank you so much for being a listener of the Deep Believer Show. We love our listeners, we pray for our listeners, and we love to hear from our listeners. So if you have anything you'd like to say, if you have any testimonies, or if you have any questions, leave us a voice message. We'd love to hear from you. Again, we would love to hear from you. Thank you so much for being a listener of The Deep Believer Show. Hi, everyone. This is Jennifer Bagnashi with Deep Believer. Today, our guest had two trips to heaven. He was homeless and dumpster diving. But one day, Jesus appeared to him without him even having to die. He visited heaven. He learned his real name while he was in heaven. Because remember, we all have heavenly names. He saw the table where the marriage supper of the Lamb will be. And he will, he'll, he saw so much more. You'll just want to hear what he saw. His name is Joe Sepera. Joe Sepera, thank you so much for being with us today. Happy to be here. So Joe, tell us, how did you grow up? Did you grow up in a believing household or was your family non-believers? How did that look like? My, my parents were, were both believers and they were active in the church. Okay. And how about, were you active at all in the church? For a short time, I was, you know, um, I did like some sanctuary work and, uh, you know, keep everything clean and organized kind of thing, you know, um, and a little bit of singing for, for, a, for a stretch of time too. Mm-hmm. And this is when I was much, much younger, like in my adolescent, you know, to the early teens. But, but before then, let's talk about how you entered into this world. Because in a way, it's as if the devil didn't want you to be here. Tell us, what happened to you while you were in your mother's womb? Uh, I, was, I was born with um, pretty much my lower half of my body, uh, my stomach, intestines, and everything in that lower region. From my navel down, it was all out. Not a little bit out. It was all, all of it was out. So uh you can imagine back in 1980 you know they couldn't see it really before it would happen so um they called it severe gastroschisis you know gastrointestinal but it was a severe case and yeah and uh you can imagine how my mom felt (laughs) you know me being born that way i can only imagine yeah and this was in guelph canada and did they say that you didn't have a chance to live or did they say he's it's easy to fix? What did they say about your diagnosis? Yes, from what, from what the records tell me, from what my, you know, my biological dad, what he told me before I was adopted, he said that, he said that, um, you know, cause he was so stressed. My mom was so stressed, you know, and, and I was put into the incubator and I had to be there for a couple months until my body would accept my, you know, my um, organs again, you know, and uh, the doctor consoled him, you know, and said, uh, Mr. Stephens, it's actually, we do a couple of these a day because <laughs> they, they had to fly me to a hospital for sick children, specifically for my cases like myself in Toronto. So they flew me by helicopter after I was born to a hospital for sick children in Toronto 
Ontario, Canada. Wow. Wow. So, so you did have the operation and it was, it was no biggie for them, obviously, because they were used to it. Yes. <laughs> okay. Okay. So after the surgery, did you, or do you even now have uh, issues with your intestines or that's all? That's good. I, I do uh, to this day, like uh, I, I can't eat certain things. Um, I've been every year or so I have what I call an episode you know, where I can't eat anymore. And then my stomach gets swollen and it's very, very painful, not fun at all. And it takes anywhere from four to 10 days to completely get back to normal. And yeah, that's, I've lived with that and I still live with that. Yeah. And so I, I tried a different diets uh, to make a long story short. So I'm pescatarian now. So it, I've had no problems. Uh, my problems are, are less now, now that I'm pescatarian. So. Okay, good. <laughs> okay, now for those who don't know what that is, tell them what that is. It's, it's uh, the best way. It's a vegetarian that also eats fish. Mm -hmm. Very healthy. Yes, okay. very healthy. Okay, so you were adopted at three. Do you know why your parents put you up for adoption at three or why you were given to a different family? Yes, so after my, after my operation and um, I was sent home, there was a babysitter from what the social workers tell me. And, you know, at that time, I guess, uh, they couldn't reveal too much to, your, to the family that's going to adopt you. They can only tell you certain things. So other things were still confidential. And, but what they did say was someone saw me being maltreated, abused, and reported what they saw. And I got taken out of my home. And then I was put in the foster so was it true that you were being mistreated? Did you find out if that was true or not? Yes. Okay. Okay. So do you remember your birth parents or do you still have contact with them now? No, I, I, I met them briefly in 2005. And I know you're happy with your adoptive parents now. So you were adopted at the age of three and you move, right? You move out of Guelph and where do you go to? My parents uh, uh, move, move, uh, uh, we all move to California, San Francisco. Okay. You know what? Let me just go back a little bit because yes. you mentioned to me, I just want to get this part in because it's pretty important. So when you were reported to, um, to have been abused, you became a ward of the queen. Could you just break that down for us? You pretty much, the, the uh, Ministry of Canada uh, protects you from everything. And so they, they make sure that they, they find a person that is, you know, a foster parent that will take care of you and love you. They'll give you emotional and everything. Everything has to check out. And, and so the court, just like in the courts in the U.S., the courts in, in Canada, they check up on that home, that foster home all the time. I mean, it's pretty frequent, especially in the first few years. And so you're pretty much protected. Uh, by the government, by the Canadian government. So when were you officially relieved of being uh, a ward of the Queen? When I was adopted. Okay, okay. The but if I was still in foster care, I would stay there until I'm of age. Mm -hmm. Which is probably um, 16 or 18? Yeah, I understand that it's 16, okay. yeah, in Canada. But, you know, I don't know how it is now. I haven't looked it up, but uh, yeah, at that time. So from there, you and your family moved 
to San Francisco and you begin to age, obviously, right? You get older. How did your walk look like in your teenage years with God? Did you believe in God still as a teenager or was he just not anything to be considered at the time? In my teen years, I I love this question, <laughs> actually. Um, you know, when you're in your teens, uh, I met so more than half the people that I met in my life at, at that age, they, they, they're trying to find out who they are. I definitely was trying to fit in somewhere. Um, and I specifically wanted to know if God is real or fake. You know, I was pretty uh, intense about it, you know, because I, I looked at the world and I saw just all these beliefs. And I read a lot, you know, I was definitely a bookworm and um, I wanted to find out if, uh, find out who God is and if he's actually there, you know, or if it's just another religion, another belief system. So what did you find out as a teenager? As a teenager, what did you find out or did you even find anything out? I, I went through, I went through a lot of different belief systems. Um, a lot of, uh, some of it was uh, spiritual, some of it was, you know, spiritualistic type stuff like uh, shamanism, some of it was, um, you know, Eastern religion type meditative practices. Uh, I just went down the line. I just went from one to the next. Uh, I did feel that there's something real spiritually, but I didn't know if it was, you know, if it was anything more than, you know, what's inside of us. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? It does. It's bigger above. It was just coming from, you know, us and, mm -hmm. yeah, and doing a ritual is what a lot of, you know, religions, you know, using a ritual to get closer to the supernatural. It's important that you put that out there because like you said, you were brought up in the church, but still, as you began to get older, you began to question, it seemed like question a little bit. So around 2008, you find yourself homeless and this happened during the time of the recession tell us how did you how did you go from living normally to being homeless and dumpster diving oh boy uh, <laughs> yeah there's a lot there yes um first off it was very it was a shock to every part of me you know, um, you definitely are in, in a survival mode, you know, um, now, uh, really quick, like the town that I was living in, there were not a lot of, you know, big factories, you know, industry, right? So you can imagine when the, when the economic recession hit it, it was devastating. And so there was just a lot of mom and pop restaurants, you know, and I worked at one of them <laughs> and, uh, all of it just shut down and we just had stuff like you know, Walmart still open, you know, keeping the town alive, just a few places. And I mean, I remember seeing tons of other homeless people like myself, just trying to, they were doing exactly what I was doing, dumpster diving, trying to get odd jobs from even businesses, you know, and can I wash your windows for like 10 bucks, you know, that kind of thing. And they were all doing the same thing I was doing. It was very challenging. It, it does something. It really does something to you. You don't have rest. Uh, I, I mean, you you do, but not inside. You uh, you're because you're constantly trying to find out. You know, what am I going to buy to eat? I can't spend too much. 
and so on. But how did you get there? How did you even get to being homeless? I really just, um, I had, I had nowhere else to stay, you know, um, you know, lost, lost the apartment, you know, I lost my, my home. And also at the same time, I was, I was, I was, I was a different person back then, to be very honest with you. I, I only thought about myself. Um, you know, I, I wasn't very nice to people. I was very, uh, selfish. And so no one wanted me around really. Wow. And you would never uh, know now because the way, the way you have such a delightful presence about you that you would never know that you were, um, an, an unkind person. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, okay. So what was it like? I know you elaborated a little bit, but what was it like being homeless? Like what was, I, I know you said it was, it was hard to get rest. Was there fear in you? Was it like, did you have a hope that um, this wouldn't be the case forever? Or did you think it would be forever? How did, what is, what went through your mind being homeless? My safety was, was on my mind a lot. Yeah. Um, you know, I had to find places to sleep where I felt safe. And so, you know, I, I, I chose good parts of town, not the high crime area parts of town where I knew there were a lot of, where there was a lot of crime and a lot of uh, gang membership. Uh, I knew enough from learning from, uh, from other homeless people when I, when I would talk to them, that's what they've experienced, that some, some people that are in the crime life, they're okay with homeless people. Some of them really, really, really are not. And they've, they've, they, they've told me about other homeless friends that they've had that were beaten up really bad, you know? Um, they just, so I, I would always find a spot to sleep and where I was covered, you know, pretty well in the public, you know, where the, where the, where the shrubs and bushes and trees were, would cover me enough where I could sleep and where I felt safe. And I, I remember that's when I started to pray. Amen. Amen. So this is when everything started to happen for you, when things begin to change, because it's as if that um, the homelessness that you experienced caused you to cry out to the Lord. How did that look like? What did that happen? How did you finally say, okay, God, I want to know who you are. I want to know your name. I want to know everything about you. How did you get there? And what did it look like? Yes. So before I found one of my favorite spots to, you know, sleep and lay down and just, you know, regroup, you know, and just take a break from making money through recycling and odd jobs. When I was in my spot, I, I was, um, I said, uh, you know, God, uh, I've heard about you. I remember my exact words. I said, uh, I've heard about you. And I don't feel, um, I feel many times I don't feel, I know with you, I can feel safe because you're the creator. So I want to feel safe. I want to feel with, because I'm by myself. I'm doing this on my own. You know, would you be with me? You know, and, um, and I would even ask him, lead me to places where I'll feel safe. You know, people with good hearts, you know, and, that's where I was asking him to finally, you know, protect me, you know, cause I didn't have any protection. I didn't have, I didn't have the, the roof over my head. I had no friends. I had just me making money every day and walking around and for miles, just trying to make money. And at the end of the day, I would rest. I would, you know, I would go to sleep. 
So it was, it was very alone, you know, and I, I've never really felt that, uh, that isolation before, you know, so not only survival, but I was getting a double whammy. I was getting isolation and I was getting feeling very unsafe at the same time. Now, remember you mentioned to, you mentioned earlier that you longed for family and even if a person you worked for, because I know you mentioned that you did some landscaping for people in the community, how you wouldn't mind if they would see you as family. So you were very kind to them, you know, and willing for if they would receive you, you would, you would, you know, be their family if you, if, if that's what they wanted, right? Yes. Yes. Um, because, because how, how everything, you know, what was going on with the recession, you know, everyone started to become uh, very suspicious of each other. <laughs> you know, everyone's in this desperate mode anyway, but more so of course, for people that are now homeless, right? I wanted to prove to them that I don't have anything up my sleeve. That's also one of the things I asked the Lord at that time. I said, you know, I asked that they'll see the real me. I said, Lord, can you open them up to where I don't have, you know, a secret plan to rip them off or something or to take advantage that I'm, I'm just, you know, just need some help and that's all, you know, you know, and so, yeah, there was the maintenance worker at, at the church I was going to at this time, because I, I would, I would go to the chapel of this church. So we had the big part of this church and there was the chapel where I met the maintenance worker. And he's the one that um, one day invited me to have dinner with his family, meet his wife and his grandkids. And yeah, he's the funniest person. I mean, <laughs> the most joyful person you can imagine. You know, um, yeah, that was, if anything, that was an answer from all my crying out during this time, being almost crying out to God. That definitely was from him. Amen. Now, how about your parents? Were your were your parents not around to to house you, help house you? At this time, my my mom already passed, and my my dad, my dad um, actually moved down to this town. You know? And um, but because he remarried, uh, I think you know what happens when when uh, you know when a parent remarries. Uh, you know, it's like that. I call it the episode of Cinderella. You know, you have step family and they don't like you. <laughs> yeah. That's that's what happened to me. It was wow. it was it was it was awful. You know, and I was already going through a lot being on the street, and I, I you know I tried to stay with them, but it was a nightmare. I I was more safe being behind you know in my spot you know and being on the street. It was crazy. Yeah, I understand. So let's go to 2009 where you have your first encounter with Jesus face to face could you tell us about that yes um I've, it's so fresh you know it's been 12 years since then you know and it's still just feels the same does that make sense so I was asleep in in a in, a, in one of my spots and it was uh right across the street from Starbucks and you know I wake up early, you know, to start trekking and collecting recycling and I'll have a coffee. You know? It was perfect. <laughs> I had my own Starbucks. <laughs> right when I woke up, Papa, up out of the bush, go to Starbucks. This time I woke up before my alarm, which never happened. So, you know, I didn't, I didn't have enough money to pay my cell phone bill, but I used it as an alarm clock. 
And I, I woke up way before my alarm clock, which never happens because I make sure I'm dead tired you know, every day. I, you know, and it was around four, four in the morning. I woke up and it felt like someone was around me. And right away, I'm thinking it's, it's a cop, you know, and because and, I know they, they, they do their runs. And uh, especially it being a, you know, a nice neighborhood, more upper middle class, they check everything. And so I'm thinking, now I have to gather up all my stuff. Now I have to find a new spot, you know, and um, I was thinking, okay. So I start opening my eyes and I see no one. There's no one around. And at first it felt like it was someone to my right. And the more I woke up, as the seconds ticked by, it felt like it was filling every other direction above me, all around me, the same feeling of a person, uh, even below me. I was I was sitting uh, and my my brain couldn't wrap around that like how's that possible where it feels like someone is everywhere at once and even when I look towards the 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 night sky you know uh, I would feel this person there too it was everywhere completely you know engulfing and saturating all my emotions at the same time so anyways it's completely in and all around me at that point and I'm still not seeing anything, but I feel I feel a person. And then I start I start to see person to see this person come into focus in front of me, above me. So it's in front of me and above me, and and I see it's a man. I see I start seeing uh the I remember the beard. I remember seeing his beard, and I remember seeing his like wavy, almost curly hair and um, a robe and bare feet. And um, I remember his hand was in front of him. His right hand was in front of him, and his left hand was on his was at his side. And I'm shocked, <laughs> you know. And I knew exactly who it was. And I just said, "Lord," I didn't say it out loud, like how I'm talking to you. It was inside. And um, and he started talking to me. And the more the more this went on, the stronger his, um, the stronger his energy got and the more it was hitting me and, and it just got stronger and stronger. The longer I was with him, the stronger it got. And it was so strong, this energy coming off of him that my body started to shake. But, but what's crazy is I wasn't shaking from from like, you know, being, you know, freaked out or afraid or nervous. I was, it's as if my body couldn't take any more of his presence, it couldn't take any more. It was reaching its limit. What I, what, I, what I still remember is I didn't mind if it, if I died from it, <laughs> you know, my body was reaching an overload. How a gas tank reaches when it's full, you know, that's the best uh, illustration I can give to that. But I didn't care, you know, if, presence and my body died from being his presence I was happy I felt all the the most positive emotions a person can feel I was feeling it magnified um and I and I was feeling it all at once what I what I mean is I was feeling happiness peace uh calm um and ecstasy I was feeling the most positive emotions a human being can feel all at once magnified. 
And I've never felt all those at once I, that I can re remember, even on my most happiest day of my life that I can remember, you know? So that was already making it difficult for my brain to understand how that, how, how, how even that is possible, you know? And that's how I even, yes. So it's as if he was saying, this is me, you know? After that, was it then that Jesus asked if he wanted some of his fire? Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I'll never forget that. Uh, and so, you know, our hearts are talking. That's, that's, that's how I describe it. And his voice had two major um, themes to it. It was very strong, but very, very gentle at the same time, you know, and very assertive. And just asked me one question, do you want some of my fire? Do you want, would you like that? And I didn't even hesitate. <laughs> you know, I said, yes. I, mean, I remember, you know, a memory of like being with my cousin in, in Los Angeles and, and watching this, this surfing competition. When the wave would start to come as they're going through the tunnel, as the surfers going through, that's what it felt like. I felt another part of Jesus starting to come towards me and it just totally took me over. And I was like going through this, this wave and it further put me into more of that peace and that joy to another level. I felt like he was pulling it back a little bit. That's, that's the interesting thing. It's as if he knew that I was reaching my limit. I couldn't take anymore. And then once I was, once he felt I was okay, <laughs> he threw another one. And I remember him saying, this is me. This is me. This is me. I think I, I just wanted to, you know, I just want to be with him. So I, I asked, I want to be with you. And he said, you are. And then he started disappearing. That's when the experience started to end. And I thought, Oh no. <laughs> and it's like when your best friend leaves, that's also your, you know, someone who really loves you also, not only your best friend, but someone who loves you. It's like, you can see them leaving as they're driving away in their car. That's what it felt like. But you know that you're going to see them again, but that's what I felt. And I was like, uh, uh, okay. <laughs> You know, and even his exit when he was leaving was beautiful. You know how when you have, um, if you've, uh, been, uh, when, you, when you're on the beach, when you, uh, I've been, I've been on the beach to where there was a strong wind and the top part of the sand would, 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 would blow away. He was leaving that way. So it's as if like every little part of him was leaving slowly. Like there was so much to Jesus that he was all of these little lights and um, and it, it took time for him to even leave because there was so much of um, I hope that makes sense. <laughs> but that's how I understood it, you know, because he's so big and so everything and everywhere, he's so much of that that it took him even time to leave. That is so you know? powerful. That's so powerful. And you, you also <laughs> mentioned that... Um, Jesus revealed to you the truth about the supernatural realm. What was that? Yes, um, he 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 started opening me up like inwardly to where I can see what's normally invisible. 
you know, up to this point, he, he allowed me to see him. Now he was allowing me to see the truth of this earth, of the world you cannot see. You know, he showed me some demons that were in the area. He showed me this demon at my friend's house. He showed me angels also. He was showing me there's two, there's two sides to the to our existence, you know, to this world and the next. There's something that it's it's as if like um he was making me see that there's there's more going on to just what our life is on the earth. And um and that took me time to digest and uh accept because it was so it was so um it was it was um it's as if my also my mind had problems accepting that, you know, like I knew that there's good and evil. I, I knew that, you know, I've in movies, it's in, but to know that good and evil is actually real, like really, really real, that it's actually all, you know, it's that that's what's going on and why there's problems. He was showing me that a lot of the problems we have on earth are because of evil. And, you know, I thought it was just human beings, you know, and like when you have a serial killer as an example, like that's pretty evil, but there's something more evil than that. And so he was allowing me to see that. That took me a while to uh, accept. And even you mentioned even before then, though, that you had the gift of seeing things in the supernatural realm. So you could actually see beyond the veil of what we see right now, right? So you could see Elaborate on this because you mentioned how you were able to see things over top of people and over top of believers. And I think that, that was pretty cool. Could you just tell us a little bit about those gifts? I know Jesus showed you um, the truth, how there are, are angels and demons and spiritual warfare in the atmosphere. But even prior to that, you have a spiritual gift where you are a seer, where you can see things on people, on certain people. What do you see? He, he, he pretty much gave me that ability soon after. So after he, I, I felt him tone it down a little bit so I can kind of recover and learn what he's teaching me. And then whenever I would pray for someone or whenever I would fast and pray, it would allow me to see what's on that believer, like what their gifts are. Um, for example, like um, I remember seeing this, uh, this little like a uh, prince's crown on this one believer and he was a deliverance minister and uh i thought wow you know it looked like literally like medieval times like this beautiful prince's crown wait so and, the guy um, had a princess crown um uh, <laughs> the guy had a, not a prince one i'm playing with you yeah <laughs> yeah that i yeah, that would still look good <laughs> No matter what, right? You know, um, yeah. It's and and um, on this other person was like writing, and it looked like, you know, when I when I asked a friend about it, it looked like Hebrew tetragrammaton on there, you know. And when I found out about this person, they 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 had this really big ministry, and that their their heart is very. Um, it's like they have a really big heart, you know, and so. It was reflecting that kind of, you know, how God's heart is big. So their heart was very much like God's. And so they have a mark on them. So in other words, what I'm saying is 
believers have different marks on them um, to show what kind of person they are. And if someone was not a believer, uh, like let's say someone doesn't believe or they've never experienced Jesus or whatnot, um, I would see like blackness behind their, um, like it, it, it would look like when you're extremely tired and it would look like in the, you know, in some of the horror films, like they have blacked out, like shaded, you know what I mean? When you're super tired and you don't get sleep and it would have a, uh, like their sclera would be this dark grayish color, especially if they had anger with, with God. I met one girl that was a drinker. She loved to drink, you know, she has a good heart, but Jesus let me see that she had something else with her. She had this darkness inside of her that she was feeding through the drinking and I was like, oh, that's why she has that darkness in her eyes. And yes, and that can happen. And I didn't know these scriptures until later. He told me about the, the, the lamp of the body is the eye. So he was teaching me these things I didn't know. And, you know, uh, real quick, I, um, if I may, Jennifer, go back to the fire. When Jesus said about giving me some of his fire, I didn't know the scripture about our God is an all-consuming fire in Hebrews. I didn't know about that when he, when he you know, I, I, he, he led me to that scripture later. And I thought, oh, that's why you asked me if I wanted some of your fire. <laughs> you know, all these light bulbs started going off during this time, you know, and yeah. But yeah, those are some of the things he would show me on people, believers and non-believers. That's amazing. So let's fast forward, I think about 10 years later, no, a little less than 10 years later to 2015, where you had your very first encounter with heaven where you didn't even have to die to get there. How in the world did you get to heaven without even dying? <laughs> um, that's a good question. <laughs> um, God, uh, you know, God, right? <laughs> Abba Father. So um, that's another part of Abba that I, I have not seen before that he can do that. You know, and, you know, again, like um, I was asking him to show me more of him. I would ask every night before bed, I made sure no matter how tired I was from work, I would ask him, I would say, Abba, I want you or Jesus, or, you know, just, I want you to come and visit me, you, no one else. And sometimes I would word it a little bit different, but I did this for about three months, a little bit into four months. I remember falling asleep at this, at this, uh, you know, um, doing this for a few months and I woke up in this place and, uh, and the more I was there, the more I knew it wasn't a dream you know, and it felt more real than being in the waking world, you know, and like how I'm, you know, like how we're talking, it felt more real. And I was in this classroom and uh, it reminded me of like when I was in third grade, you know, this, I was in this classroom and I was in my nine, 10 year old body, you know, and, uh, and I thought, why am, why am I in my, <laughs> and I was on the carpet, you know, like, you know how when you're sitting on the carpet and you're listening to your teacher tell a story, that's exactly 
the position I was in, I had my legs out in front of me. And then these two other children that are around the same age, they run up to me and they put their hands on me and I can hear them praying. And then they left and uh, my back pain is gone. Uh, quick side note, uh, in real life, on earth life, I, I've had really bad back pains since I was 20. Uh, I even have a curvature in my back. It's pretty bad, you know, and it's just, it's not fun. It gives you migraines. It does a whole bunch of problems and it does more than problems. It, uh, it, 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 um, it just makes work difficult when you're at work, you know, you have to be careful all the time, et cetera. But so, and then I felt in my spirit, I was being led out to the, the, the schoolyard area. And again, I'm thinking, where am I? <laughs> You know, and then everything started to become brighter. You know, I had a friend that's a photographer and, and he, you know, I've, you know, back in high school and it looked like everything had like a soft lens to it, a soft feel, but clear. It, it, it didn't have the fuzziness of like, you know, but it made everything look warm and soft and had more presence. I describe it as like, if it's possible, something more than 3D more than 3D how we are, but there was this, um, this beautiful softness to all the other children that were in this area. So that's the next thing I noticed when I was going towards the, the recess, like, you know, the playground area, where are the adults? I thought, where, where are all the adults? <laughs> all these children in this school and there's no adults, you know? And and uh, I go, out, I, I, you know, I go to the playground area and, and some, of the, some of the kids I waved to. And I remember this one girl was smiling at me and, 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 and she said, hi, you know, I said, hi. And then to the right, I, I start, I look at the ground and I see this robe, you know, and kind of feet poking out a little bit, but this, this being was, really 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 tall so if i'm in my 10 year old body you know it's as an adult this person would be like maybe 20 20 plus feet tall and then uh my heart knew it was an angel it was an angelic being and i thought really are you kidding and i i saw him look down at me you know because he was so big <laughs> looking down at little old me and all the other children you know and and then he smiled and I think he winked at me. It was weird. And, but I saw all this, like this glow. And when he, when he was glowing, all these little like sparkles came off of him. Every time he moved, sparkles would come off of him or glitter. It was the most beautiful thing I've ever seen, ever. It's just like, it's just a fireworks for going off no matter what expression he had, you know? And and then his, uh, his wings went inward and then he, he ducked a little bit. And then when he lifted up, when he opened up his wings, he burst into millions of pieces. And my mouth dropped he had, and, it, and all these little pieces were dancing. Like imagine going to like a ballet and seeing all the ballerinas on stage. It's like they were all doing this beautiful, choreographed dance but there were just countless numbers of it, it was this angel but it was in all these little pieces doing this beautiful dance 
and then it froze and then and then he slammed back together with his wings covering his entire self and you kind of still see his forehead but I was blown away you know I thought I was only I you know I thought I was uh, just going through the ground you know and in the playground you know on a, through the cement that was there uh, and because um, I've never seen something so magnificent and uh, awe-inspiring and so beautiful where even my eyes my ego even my spirit couldn't handle it that's when I knew for a fact I was in a part of heaven. <laughs> you know, at first I wasn't really sure, you know, but I knew I was in, a, in another world that was real, just like the earth, but it was, everything was beautiful. And, and so he did this dance a few more times and I couldn't stop staring at him. <laughs> and he's not talking. He's just speaking like with his, like with his eyes, you know, and and, uh, and then to my peripheral on my left side, it's like my spirit was led to turn. And I see this, uh, this um, child about maybe like maybe a stone's throw away, you know, and, and uh, I start seeing it's, it's a little boy. And, but he has something that the other children don't have. He has this, uh, this radiant, around uh from from above his head all the way down to like his uh shoulders it's really this big radiant uh array of you know rays and it was it's this beautiful brilliant white color and so and so i started thinking could this be you know and i saw an angel that danced in a million pieces <laughs> so my common sense starts coming back to me you know and i thought no way he's towards me you know and so what is he going to show me you know so i started thinking and tell me why i'm here he's gonna or he's gonna show me something what's he gonna do and then when he comes to about two feet away from me he starts speaking you know again like not out loud like how i'm talking how we're talking you know it's all inside you know our spirits our hearts are talking and then before he starts talking i start talking <laughs> you know it's because i'm so um excited you know and i said lord lord you and i, I grabbed his shoulders i just grab him because <laughs> i'm so excited i can't believe that he's allowing me to be in this part of heaven you know i said lord this is amazing i said you have to be with me in everything i do you have to be with me in every day everything and then he, he starts calming me down he says joseph joseph don't worry I will be. That's when I, that's when he starts fading out again. And, uh, and as he's fading out, he's saying, I am the God of second chances. And then of course the light bulb went off after this experience, you know, and uh, he is a God of second chances. That's what he's known for. You know? and, and that's when I started to come back to earth, you know, and that was the first experience. <laughs> I feel like your second experience is even more more, I guess, cooler than the first. But before we get to that, I notice your hands, and I know people watching are probably wondering what's on his hands. What are on your hands? Oh, the uh, the Jesus wounds. Uh huh. So these are Jesus wounds, and the back has. Yeah. Uh huh. So what does it mean? I know we went over this prior, but what does this mean? What does it mean? At at that time, so when Jesus visited me, um. You know, he was teaching me scriptures, you know, and 
as I, as I was saying, it's, it's scriptures. I didn't even learn yet, you know, but he was teaching me. And, um, so after he visited me in 2009, he said, you are crucified with me. And then he was teaching me the scripture in the Bible that we are all those that believe in him and follow him are crucified with him or are crucified with Christ. So, Oh, okay. And that's when I got them. So to remind me of when he visited me in that scripture. Okay. So let's go on to when you went to heaven in 2019, you saw pretty neat things. I've only heard one time of a person going to a store in heaven. You said you went to a store in heaven and you saw other things too. You saw the huge marriage supper of the lamb table. You, you learned a few things. Tell us, tell us about your second experience. Cause I think this is even cooler than the first, even though the first is amazing also. Yes. Yeah. Yes, yes it is. Um, and what, what I, what I love about, you know, him allowing me to experience this, you know, yeah, there's just so many things he's teaching, you know what I mean? And that further makes you respect him more and love him. It's, um, it's not just showing you something that'll blow you away, but it's, it's, he's, he's teaching you and stuff that will help. You. And, um, I love that about him and that, and that's scriptural too. You know, he is the great teacher, which I didn't know when I was a kid. Again, like the, the process was similar. I fell asleep and this time I was praying with one of my friends in Nevada and, uh, and uh, we were praying in our, in our tongues, in our angel language, you know, and uh, we were praying it early in the morning for Muslims and, uh, and people that were suicidal on the earth. Like we like praying for those two things specifically and people that don't know if he's real, we're praying for them too. And then I fall asleep that night after I hang up the phone with her and I wake up in this place again and I already know where I where I am. I know I'm in heaven, but I see this um this uh this open vendor, you know, it but it's not like a tent vendor. It's it's like um it's like if you went to a general store. <laughs> Remind me of like an old western, but not, you know, but but the front part is open. Open, there's no door to like make you feel you know okay you know it's really welcome here you know there was no door so you feel welcome you know and on all the shelves there were these beautiful gems uh, beautiful stones from amethyst to jade um i remember some like crystally type you know and some of them were like these these rocks that were cut in half and uh there were also on the shelves in this store and in the cases, there were these hand carved, you know, when you take a chisel and you just, you know, uh, just all these handcrafted uh, crafts that were of boats. Some of them were um, of like animals and they had that heavenly look to them, you know, where it was more presence, more detail. It was shinier. It was brighter. And even when you touch them, you know, like you were, you didn't feel, oh boy, I can't take that off the shelf. You know, what if I drop it? You know, you pay it, you, you pay for it, you buy it, right? So, <laughs> you know, you had no fear of breaking something there too. I noticed that. And also I knew you didn't have to pay for any of it. That, and that caught me off guard. Like my earthly brain was kicking and I thought I don't have to, there's no transaction. There's no tender. You know what I mean? There's, I, I didn't even see a, a cash register. So 
and I see the I see the worker in there, the clerk, and she has this long black hair, and and she walks over, and you know she has this glow to her dress, and she says hello, and I said hi, <laughs> <laughs> and then she spoke silently, but it was louder than us, so we did speak out loud, but then we switched. It was it was weird. It was we switched to the the heart talk, what I call heart talk, our hearts talking. And, and then she goes back to like, you know, I guess like adjusting things and in the store and but I saw her name, I saw her name tag, it said Mizpah on it, you know, and, and I was thinking, okay, I gotta remember that. I met Mizpah in the store in heaven. I was writing it in my head, Mizpah, I gotta write that down when Jesus puts me back on earth. <laughs> I don't want to forget this. I got to take notes, you know, because I don't know when I'm going to wake up. I was thinking that too, Jennifer. I was, I don't know when I'm going to wake up just like the, like the other time. I don't know how long he's going to give me. I got to absorb everything like a sponge. Okay. And, uh, and then I walked out the store. I felt my spirit was like prompting me and there were all these other people. And I saw some of them like, you know, in their, in their late teens, uh, a lot of them were twenties and thirties. I did not see anyone older than, you know, above 30. Um, I've, I've noticed that right away. I was looking for someone older, like a 50 year old, or I didn't see it. I, I did not see anyone older than that. Besides me trying to, you know, understand, you know, like what, what he's going to show me next, all of a sudden this adult, a little distance away says, the Lord is coming. The Lord, Jesus is coming. and I think, oh boy, <laughs> you know, and then as far as I can see, like outside the store, these adults, some of them start kneeling in this like fashion, you know, as if he's going to come, as if, you know, Jesus is going to come down the middle, so they would make a path for him to walk down the middle. And then, <clears throat> and the, and the men, uh, the, one of the, one of the men that was next to me was kneeling on one knee. I guess that was his thing. And some of them were all the way bowed and some of them were standing up and were like, you know, had their hands in prayer. And uh, me, I knelt down at first. And, but then afterwards, when he got closer, I stood <laughs> and I started yelling. <laughs> so I start yelling, Jesus, I love you. And I started yelling it louder. And, 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 the, and, and the man next to me says, it's so loud. <laughs> You know, and then and then I even did this. I said, you know, and so I started yelling again, you know, <laughs> and I can see him, you know, losing his patience. And then I see him like give up, like, Ugh. and he was just doing this, looking at me like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, and um, I'll never forget that. His look on his face, like, oh, oh well, you know, and, and he just goes back to kneeling. And and so when I so, saw, so I can see some people go up to Jesus. And I can, I can see them having a, a convo, you know, or asking a question. I can hear a little bit of what they're saying, some of it I can't. And then when he comes to me, you know, me and the guy, we stand up and he's talking to, to, to the guy that told me to be quiet. And then once he's done, he comes to me and then his heart says, come with me, you know? And so I follow him and he, when he first 
told me to follow him. He was wearing his hood the whole time. He was wearing a hood at this time. But then when he said, follow me, he takes his hood down and I follow him. And he leads me to this room and automatically, he didn't even have to tell me anything. I, he, he already, I already knew to go into the room, not knock on the door, not anything, just go in, just go in. And I look for, for Jesus and he disappeared. And so I go into the room and there's this large, this table, but it's made all out of wood. And again, it's like the most artistic, you know, wood crafted. And, and the chairs were also made out of wood too. And they were beautifully crafted. And they were really big chairs, really big wooden chairs. And they were all set, you know, with, um, you know, like when you have a salad plate on top of a dinner plate, water glass, wine glass, uh, you know, a uh, bread plate, you know, soup spoon. It's like an informal dinner, you know, etiquette type of thing. And there was a, um, there were these cards, you know, where the big plate would be. And there's this little card with a, with a name on it. And all, every, every, every uh, chair had a name. But I was only, my spirit was made to go to that one chair. And right away I knew he was reserving that that spot. And then when I got close enough to the spot, I knew that that name was my name, but I didn't recognize it as, you know, my name, Joe, it's not Joe. It's, but I know it's me, you know, but it says John on it, you know? And, and then, and then I hear Jesus tell me, that's your spirit. It's like, John. you know, that is, who your spirit really reflects, you know, and um, and then I understood that that he has a real name for all of us, you know, that uh, regardless of what we're named on earth, in the spirit we we walk after like a certain um, uh, footprint. Well, like your spirit has a footprint to it on how we follow God, and it's in a certain way, you know, and He makes you that way all that certain way, you know, depending on your gifts and what you are made for. So I thought, oh, oh I get it. You know, it's like our understanding. Oh, okay. And so I'm trying to hold back my emotion, you know, because he reserved a spot for me. Okay. Right. That's my spot. That's my chair. And then he, he reappears outside the room and then he tells me to, you know, follow him again. And then he leads, he leads me to this, this, uh, fountain. And, uh, and then he turns, uh, he turns a little bit, he leaves me at the fountain and then he turns a little bit and he's speaking to two other men. And then I, I give him something, I'm giving him this cloth and, and, uh, you know, I, I, I didn't understand, you know, and then, uh, I give it to him and he starts looking at it as if he's examining it and he's, and, and he's looking at it with these two other men i call them saints but you know they're 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 people that were on earth but they're in heaven so they you know they died faithful whatever the case was and they lived faithful died faithful and they were they were all examining what i gave and 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 then once i felt he was done he looks back at me and says my name in the most loving gentlest you know and also at the same time assertive it's it's fine like his voice has many 
meanings all in one meaning. That's how I can describe it. You know, it's all, it's like he says a lot of things in just one thing, but you understand, but you understand the whole thing. It's as if he was happy and thankful and satisfied with what I gave him. Later, he tells my spirit, that's an offering. You know, people have offerings and they give it to me, you know, and uh, later I understand more about, you know, things that we give to God and offerings when he sends me back down on earth, you know, and has me understand what we give God. And But in heaven, it looks like an actual thing. It looks like, you know, in, in my case, it was like a quilt, like a blanket type, you know, and uh, and it looked beautiful it, it didn't have any holes in it i guess that's why he was satisfied he was he was very happy and and then after he was happy with that he has me look at the fountain again and i see these beautiful uh seashells that are like around it and at the at the front of it and then i see jesus walking that's walking and he puts his hood back on and then he starts walking into the fountain becomes one with it and disappears into it as he's disappearing into the fountain he says do you not want to see people get back you know people get baptized do you not want to see do you do you want to see the stars in the sky and and so and then he keeps talking about beautiful things that are all around us it's like he's reminding me like to look up you know the stars look at the stars, you know, and remember him that way too. You know what I mean? To remember him that way also. That's important for, for us and especially for me. And then this, this man that has this very short hair, he, he appears out of my right side. He doesn't just appear out of nowhere. I, I can kind of feel him walk up to me. He has this um, goblet and it looks like those old, like uh, it looks, you know, Either it's a goblet or a chalice. I don't remember, but it's those old cups that can hold a lot of wine. It can hold a lot, a big amount. And he puts it in front of me, like about this far away, and I can see the liquid in it. It, it's like it's it's clear. It, it again, it, it looks very refreshing. It looks very, uh, it's sparkling. It's um, but more than any liquid I've ever seen. You know, even more than parts of the fountain it was it was so it was so incredible to look at the, the liquid inside the cup and then he puts it to my lips and then it's like he's um helping me drink it you know and and you know he's tilting it and he's saying drink it all drink it all drink it all and and then i start waking up i start being back down and and I can still feel the like on my lips and I can feel the liquid as I'm waking up. I can still feel it even a couple minutes after I woke up completely, you know, back on earth in my body. I can, I can feel this liquid that, that, that Abba let me drink and it was going through. Um, I can feel it physically. That was an amazing experience in itself. Just to, I was so happy and honored. He gave me a drink from heaven actual drink and that was that was uh the second visit that is so much detailed so amazing i want to go back to a few different things you mentioned though i know you mentioned the woman in the store with the long black hair her name was nispa Mi Mispa with an m oh mispa mispa 
Did yeah. you ever find out what MISPA means? Yes, actually, uh, very recently. <laughs> okay, what does it mean? It's, it's a Hebrew word I, that I've never heard of in my life. And okay. I've studied, I've read the Bible and even, uh, but I've, I've never heard that Hebrew word before. But I look it up, even if you, if you Google M-I-Z-P-A-H, that means connection, some kind of connection in Hebrew. Something special that you give someone else for a connection. It's like a Hebrew thing that the Jews give other Jews. And, um, and, but it's more than that. Like if you go like to the, to the Old Testament and uh, Mizpah has something to do with something else. I forget the other details of it, but yeah. And I thought, wow, I know for a fact, I, I have a pretty good memory when it comes to scripture and, you know, and I don't remember anything even close to Mizpah, but that was her name. So she was named that, so. <laughs> That's amazing. Okay. So let's go to the area where you mentioned to me that when you were in heaven, I don't know if it was at the store or where you saw the huge table where you mentioned how you noticed in the Bible, how uh, the Bible mentions things of being of gold and jewels and all that stuff, but that's not really your thing. So there were things to your liking. Where was that? And what was it? Oh yeah. Um, yeah. In yeah, it, the, just just even everything down to the table and the the crafts in the store i like hand carved you know you know even you know some of the artists that use a, a chainsaw to make you know wooden anything that has to do with uh you know chiseling and sculptures especially wood sculptures like i really love that stuff because you put so much thought and patience and work into it you know yeah, that's that I knew was it's like God was catering that part to me so that I can really learn what he wanted to show me in heaven. That was my understanding. He was doing that on purpose to make sure I had my attention and my um, to learn fully what he was going to do to me or show me. And that was in the store or at the table? Both. It was both. Okay. They both had that, you know, from the table to the chairs had that handcrafted patient all that work put into it that goes with the scripture that says god will give you the desires of your heart um so that's more your personality your character so when you saw the long table did you know or did you believe or do you even believe that was the preparation for the marriage supper of the lamb i had no i i had no idea it's real meaning but yeah i just knew that that room was you know, it was, it was, it definitely was for something very, very important, very special, but it was also a place to be with family. You know, there was a tremendous like love family vibe. Even when I looked, just looked at the table, I was getting that, you know, the, that energy of family and, and love and, and that closeness of family, that, that's what was also permeating the energy of the room. So how did you get back? I know you said you began to come back, but how did you come back? Did you just gradually fade into where you were on earth or how did that come about? Yes, yeah, it's, it was a gradual me coming back, you know, um, uh, it wasn't immediate. Um, the, the, the first visit Abba allowed me to, 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 to have, it was more immediate, woke up. This one was very gradual. I think it's because I was still finishing the drink that the Lord was giving me. So, 
I guess if I snapped back of my body, I would, you know, probably break the, uh, you know, my lips to the cup. I don't know, but <laughs> that's probably it because I was drinking it. It, 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 it. I mean, this the sensation of that of that heavenly drink. It was so. It was thick, but not thick. It was smooth, but also you can. It it was again hard to describe. You know, um, it was everything and more of what a drink was. So when in your testimony did you give your life to Jesus? I gave, I gave my life to him in 2009. Um, I would say in the first, after he, after he visited me on the street, that's when, and so 2009, when he first visited me, but, but being baptized underwater, actual full immersion, that was in 2015. Wow. And then I mentioned, well, not I didn't mention, but I know you mentioned that you were speaking in your angelic tongue, which I'm perceiving that you mean, um, or not mean, but interpreting as speaking in tongues, right? So yes. when were you baptized in the Holy Spirit with tongues? Um, I believe it was that time when, 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 when Jesus Lord was, you know, pouring some of that fire out because I was getting something. You know, but I wasn't getting words yet, but I was getting the energy of it. You know, it, um, the words to um, the angelic language didn't come to me until about maybe like about a month later. But I, I can feel the, um, what some Christians have called the welling up. Mm -hmm, the welling it up. Wells up into this. Yes, yeah, exactly. And then it shoots and then it comes out because it happens on its own. And, and uh, yeah, and then it would just out and it really does sound like an actual language but not like any language on earth i can't think of a language on earth that sounds like the tongues you know like it's it's a completely different language you know and it's you know it's from heaven thank you so much joseph thank you i really appreciate this could you do me a favor could you pray for our viewers could you pray for our viewers who wants this encounter with jesus and um who wants a closeness with him that you've received. Um, could you pray for those who may be down and out like how you were, how you were homeless for a time, but the Lord came to you in your loneliness and in your weakness. So could you pray for those who are down and out? And could you pray for those uh, who once a close, genuine relationship with Jesus like you had? Could you just pray for our audience to, to obtain those through Jesus? Absolutely, yes. Abba Father, I ask you to come to every single person that has listened to this testimony. This is really all you, Abba. It is all you, Lord Jesus. And please let everyone that is listening to this, I ask you to run to them, especially those that feel that no one loves them or even cares about them, please go to them. Loose your glory and your presence down upon them, Abba. And I ask you to let go countless angels to give them the strength that they need and that all they have to do is ask you to visit them. Help them to remember that you are closer than they think you are, that you are right next to their thoughts, 
you are right next to them and you are there. In Jesus' glorious name, amen. Amen. Joe Sephora, thank you so much for joining us today and for sharing your amazing, glorifying testimony. Thank you very much for having me. I'm very, uh, very honored. Oh, and one more thing, uh, Jennifer, um, if anyone wants to, wants prayer or has any questions, you can please put my uh, email, you know, I know that some people out there, uh, they need someone to talk to and I'm happy to talk to them. Will do.